Monday morning. Welcome to another episode of Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage and real estate finance industry. Today, we've got a great guest. We've got uh, Jeff Burns with Walker Dunlop, who's also uh, chair of the California MBA. We've got him here to uh, talk about what's going on in his side of the business and uh, what's happened at the California MBA the last year, sort of looking back on his year as chair. So I'm really excited to get into the uh, into the weeds with Jeff and, uh, and have that conversation. But before we start, I want to thank our sponsors at Incelerate. So if you're interested in better borrower engagement and uh, um, and closing more loans, which I think everyone is these days, uh, check out Incelerate. They help lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement as the mortgage industry's most innovative marketing and sales engagement platform. Uh, the Incelerate CRM helps lenders manage workflow, contact strategies, lead management, referral, and realtor partners in reporting. Incelerate's engagement platform automates multi-channel marketing through social media, email, direct mail, text messages, ringless voicemail, and phone calls, which covers just about everything. It's all pre-built with the strategies and content to enable a better borrower engagement. And uh, better yet, Incelerate integrates with the software that's already powering your business and will into the future. And in addition, the platform is SOC 2 and SSAE 18 certified to satisfy even the most closely regulated businesses, including those banks with mortgage subsidiaries. So for more information or to see a demo, visit Incelerate.com, or you can contact the company at the number below in the description. And I'll just add that uh, we spoke just a few weeks ago with Josh Friend, the CEO at Incelerate. And so you can go back in our archive and uh, check out that conversation with Jeff about, or with Josh, I should say, about uh, uh, what's going on at Incelerate, how their business is helping lenders, and sort of his, th- his thoughts on the industry uh, right now. Uh, before we get started with the conversation here with Jeff this morning, I want to uh, take a moment. We've got a big update on an important piece of legislation that uh, we've been tracking here in California. So I'll uh, toss it over to Susan Malazzo, uh, the California MBA CEO, for a quick update on that bill. Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA, here with your weekly video update. This week, I'd like to talk with you about SB 939 that relates to commercial tenancies in California. Uh, The measure provides for a moratorium on evictions during the COVID-19 shutdown. Of course, it's designed to help small business owners that are experiencing revenue loss uh, at this time. The measure, however, abrogates contract law to benefit one business at the expense of another. Of course, the loss in rent would also um, force many into foreclosure at the uh, at the end of the uh, um, this um, the pandemic. Further, the bill does not take into account the fact that um, we don't know how long the commercial eviction time period would last because it's related to um, some sort of an executive order related to the COVID COVID nineteen. Um, but we don't know how long we might even have a low level of executive order in place in our state. So the length of time is uh, certainly an issue um, with this bill. Um, Further, it doesn't uh, take into account that the governor's executive order allowing municipalities to um, impose their own um, eviction moratoriums, as well as our state's judicial council's uh, recent decision to halt all unlawful detainer actions in our court. So um, a short-term solution or uh, that would definitely result in long-term negative impact to the commercial real estate finance industry and our state's economy. So we're asking for your help in opposing this measure. It's moving quickly through our state Senate and the time is now for you to act. You can uh, do this quickly and easily by using the Mortgage Action Alliance, a free grassroots advocacy um, um, platform that's um, offered to us through the National MBA. 
You can um, sign up for MAW. If you're already a member, you've received some messages. We ask that you take um, action and also forward that message to your colleagues in the industry, encouraging them to do the same. Uh, it's pretty easy. You um, get an opportunity to communicate directly with your representative and share what the concerns are for our industry and how it could be a negative um, impact to our state's economy overall. So uh, we look forward to giving you updates on this and other legislative measures that are going through the state of California. And uh, we urge your, um, your help to defeat SB 939. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time. All right, well, thanks for that update, Susan. And uh, if you've gotten more questions about uh, that uh, important piece of legislation or any of the legislation we're following, make sure to go to the California NBA website, cmba.com, and click on the advocacy tab to uh, follow all the legislation that we're tracking on, on, a, uh, on a daily basis. So with that, I wanna uh, thank and welcome our uh, guest for this week's episode of Connect, Jeff Burns. Jeff is the Senior Managing Director at uh, Walker Dunlop's Walnut Creek offices here in the uh, Bay Area in California. And uh, Jeff's also actually just finishing up his uh, tenure as California NBA Chairman. So we've I've got uh, a lot of good questions for Jeff about uh, the industry and uh, his time as California NBA Chairman. So I, I'm gonna jump right in here to the questions and kick us off here. So Jeff, why don't you start by telling us about your journey? I'm curious, how did you get started in the business and sort of what led you to uh, where you're at now at uh, Walker Dunlop? Yeah, thanks Dustin. Um, yeah. Actually, my my dad uh, was in the commercial and still is in the commercial real estate uh, business. And um, and funny, growing up, I really didn't have much interest uh, in commercial real estate. I, I wanted to go to law school and and uh, become a lawyer. And uh, let's just say maybe my grades uh, in the early days of college wasn't lending itself to a uh, to a law degree. So. Um, I, I was became a poli sci major, and then uh, out of college, I uh, got a job uh, for a large regional brokerage firm up in Portland called Norris Beggs and Simpson, where I did uh, office and industrial leasing, and uh, I did that for about three and a half years. Uh, that's as as those that do that business know, that's a really tough uh, dog eat dog business. So I learned a lot, but. Uh, uh, left three and a half years later, pretty broke, and got a job for uh, a bank uh, up in Portland doing single-family mortgage lending, uh, and did that for about three years before I moved to the Bay Area to get my MBA at University of San Francisco, and um, and then uh, worked for a bit at Citibank and Bank of the West in the commercial real estate lending side, and then in uh, 2004. Uh, start uh, moved over to what was then called uh, Berkshire Mortgage, which was a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac multifamily lender, and I've been uh, in the, on that side of the business ever since that time, and and just love it. Interesting. So you made that made that leap then from the residential single family side over to the commercial side. What was the the cost for that? Well, you know, I when I was coming out of grad school, I I, I was trying to figure out what avenue I wanted to kind of go to and I and I had the commercial real estate background on the leasing and sales side and then I had the single family lending side and so uh, one of my classmates uh, worked at Citibank um, in the commercial real estate uh, lending side and I thought well you know that maybe that's a good marriage between those two things and I was able to get an internship there for the summer in between my two years and um, and, and and really enjoyed it Interesting, interesting. Okay. Yep. 
Well, let's uh, fast forward to the future here or to the present. Um, what do you what's your take on sort of the state of the industry right now um, from what you're seeing and what you're hearing from clients and customers? And I mean, where is there a sort of a best worst uh, issue right now with market sectors or products? What's where do we stand? Yeah, it's obviously these are uh, incredibly crazy times we're living through right now. And, and certainly commercial real estate has definitely been impacted. And, and but there's it, different sectors have been impacted very differently and some some worse than others. Uh, so far, multifamilies uh, held up pretty well. Um, we've seen very few uh, requests for loan forbearance. And, um, and our clients are reporting that you know they're collecting you know the vast vast majority you know of their of their of their rents due from tenants so i think that the cares act uh, uh and and specifically the piece that has added six hundred dollars to uh the state unemployment insurance fund you know you're now getting if you're in unemployment you're getting about a thousand dollars a week um and so people are people are paying their rent um, it'll be interesting to see if there's no new legislation to extend that, what happens in August. Uh, but for right now, uh, people are paying their rents. Now, you know, the, the uh, office hasn't been impacted yet because mostly those are long-term leases. Um, industrial's holding up really well because you, you've seen e-commerce really spike over the last few months. But I would say, you know, retail and hospitality have been, you know, hit particularly hard, obviously, like, you know, malls and, and um, department stores. Um, you're going to see, I think, quite a few bankruptcies emerge there. Hospitality, uh, particularly luxury brands are really struggling right now. So um, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see where things shake out. But um, the, the capital on the capital market side, uh, you know, banks have pulled back lending a little bit um, and securitized lending. Uh, is slowly sputtering back to life, but Fannie and Freddie are still actively lending on, on apartments. Okay, okay. Um, so looking forward then, what do you see uh, the recovery taking shape? I mean, I, everyone's asking this question lately, uh, what shape do you see the recovery? Is it a W or a U or a O or something? What's, what's your take on, uh, at least at this point, what the recovery is gonna look like? Well, I mean, I, I still think that the obviously we know the the front end of of the shape is is a uh, almost a straight line. Um, what we come out the other side looking like, I think, is really going to depend on. Uh, it's really going to depend on uh, the development of either a vaccine or or a reliable treatment for COVID nineteen. And I think until those things happen. Um, it's going to, and, and then, and then I think the other real issue is, as we start to open up, are, are we going to see, we're going to see some pockets of, of reemergence of the virus, but is it going to be widespread or is it going to be very uh, localized? And I think if it's widespread and it's, and it causes a lot of places to relock down, the law, every month that these lockdowns continue, it's it's a multiple of that on the back end in terms of being able to come out in one piece. So, you know, if if, if we see the virus really recede and an ability to, to treat it or get a vaccine come, come along relatively soon, I think we're gonna be more of a U-shape, uh, but if not, it could be a long, bumpy uh, recovery ahead. 
Do you see, uh, I guess the question too is, you know, when we emerge, you know, are people going to go right back to, how quickly will people go back to restaurants? Especially, I, I'm curious about your take on like retail. I mean, how many of those, uh, you know, retail chains or, or you know, spaces are going to come back at all? And how many of them are just now going to be either virtual or vacant? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think that it's not going to be like a light switch. I don't think people are just going to immediately go back to uh, doing activities that they were doing before. I mean, I think it's going to take a while for movie theaters to kind of come back. It's going to take a while for certainly for any type of professional sports with fans. It's, uh, you know, that's going to probably be the last thing to come back. It's going to be a while before, you know, the, what are the, the impacts on business travel going to be? I mean, are, we're, we're going to probably, you know, do a less travel in the future, even when we do have a vaccine. Um, and as far as those retail shops, the U.S. is literally the most over-retailed country in the world. I mean, we've got we've got more um, uh, retail per square foot per capita than any other country in the world, and we have some of the. And in return, we've got the lowest sales per square foot in the world as far as retail goes, storefront retail. So I think there's going to be uh, this trend was coming, and I think this pandemic is going to accelerate certain trends. And that's one of them, I think, that'll come out of this is that there'll be a lot of retail out there store-wise that, that, that never comes back. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I mean, looking at it from a uh, um, sort of a business perspective and maybe your your take on what's going on at uh, Walker Delnab, what are some of the permanent changes that, uh, you know, like from the work to work from home, uh, work from home situations to uh, any other virtual uh, applications that you guys are doing right now? What how much of that is going to be permanent and how much of that is just you know, think just uh, temporary? You know, it, I, it's 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 a great question. And I, I don't know that we know how it's going to play out. I, I know. We're planning on opening uh, certain offices up starting June 15th um, with very strict protocols in place in terms of, you know, wearing masks and, um, you know, other hygiene protocols and a number of people allowed in the office at one time. Uh, our company's got is has a, a policy that if you don't feel comfortable going back into the office physically, you don't have to. And that's you know, for now, an, an indefinite type of thing. And so it'll be interesting, again, you know, office leases are longer term leases. So whether this in the future change changes how we office as a company um, is to be determined. I, I, I think you're going to definitely see a trend away from the recent trend of really dense uh, kind of creative office workspace. Um, and you know, models like WeWork is—they're going to have to completely change the way they do it, which is based on a real dense model. So uh, those trends will be interesting. I—we've I, been using, like everyone else, um, you know, Zoom uh, technology for meetings. I, so I think there'll probably be less travel and and uh, more widespread use of, of those technology tools that we really never used before. At least I never. Yeah. Well, I'm curious too. I mean, you mentioned the uh, sort of office configuration. I, I mean, to your point, you know, it seems like just from my perspective on the outside that, uh, you know, so much of the commercial, the office uh, uh, sector especially has gone to more of the open, open concept uh, over the last, you know, what, decade or so. 
And now to your point, I mean, I don't know how you sort of turn back the dial on that and go back to everyone having closed off, you know, offices everywhere. Yeah, well, you know, I was listening to a, to a, to a webinar, you know, when kind of discussing uh, this topic and, and the presenter kind of brought up, you know, right now offices typically are designed 80% for individual uh, workspace and 20% for group space. And maybe the model in the future is the opposite. Maybe it'll be 80%, you know, maybe the office becomes a place where you just come in occasionally uh, to meet with colleagues, um, but you primarily work individually from home or more often from home. And so you create larger shared spaces um, and, and less dense kind of individual workstations. So I, I think it's just, We'll see how it evolves, but it, I think it'll be different than what it was before. That's interesting. Okay, so uh, maybe you know, outside the industry, what do you think that uh, are there any actions that you think that uh, government can take right now, whether it's federal, state, local, to uh, help stabilize or or boost the uh, recovery of the market? Well, I you know I think uh, you know we it's always easy to throw stones at politicians, but I, I think so far. The, the the response ha, ha, has been good. I mean, I think the um, the passage of the the you know we've had multiple um, multiple stimulus or you know kind of uh, bills that that worked their way through Congress and, and then the last being the CARES Act, which was a 2.2 trillion dollar uh, package, and I think that's really helped stabilize finances for the 40 plus million unemployed out there and um and then the support it's given to other industries and i think the other big piece that probably gets less um press is what the fed has been doing and they've been leveraging uh an allocation from treasury and deploying that in financial markets in a way that really has helped stabilize uh financial markets and so uh so so far those two things have have really done their job, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think obviously the House passed, a, 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 you know, a new $3 trillion uh, bill that, you know, was kind of a grab bag of all kinds of different different things. And, and I think, that, you know, I think the prudent response is, let's see how this huge influx of money helps the economy to, and then see what works and what doesn't work there's going to have to be another bill. There's no question about it. But, you know, I don't think we need to rush one out when the money is still working its way through the system. But they're going to need to do something because um, we're not going to be suddenly back to where we were in February uh, in another two months. That's true. That's true. Good point. Um, so uh, looking at the uh, at mortgage bank, at commercial mortgage bankers uh, specifically, what's your what would be your your advice or your take on how they can survive, you know, aside from, you know, what the government's going to do um, and, you know, sort of larger uh, long-term trends, what can, you know, commercial mortgage lenders do right now to not just survive the next, you know, few months, but thrive? Well, I look, I think it's, um, you know, it, it, it's staying, it, it's still a relationship business. And, and, and even though we're all remote, really staying in front of, you know, your lending partners and, um you know, and, and also your borrowers and, and just, and, and being there to, you know, to, 
to bridge those two parties now more than ever, I think is a, an essential role for those of us in this business. And, um, you know, there's going to be, uh, things change every day and, and in this current environment. And so being in front of your lend lender partners, um, being in front of your clients, um, you know, our role is more valuable as, as mortgage bankers now than it's ever been in these uncertain times. And, and uh, I know that, you know, our partners really appreciate the role we play in this current environment. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to your point about, uh, you know, the relationship side of the business, I just know just from watching, you know, uh, our, our commercial events over the last, you know, 15 plus years or so, you know, you really get the sense there's one constant and it is the importance of that face-to-face -face interaction and networking. And so I'm curious, I mean, obviously right now, you know, networking consists of basically this right here, you know, over a, a Zoom or, or go to go to meeting uh, or something similar like that. What's your take on, you know, sort of the, the current and the future uh, of uh, networking in the commercial space in particular? I mean, is it going to be this for a long period of time, you think, or are we going to get back to sort of a face-to-face -face, uh, function before too long? I think we'll get back. I, I, I think it'll be a hybrid. I mean, I think, in, in my opinion, I think this remote type of uh, Zooming, if you will, um, I think it's when you already have built a relationship over time and over years, this platform has been great to maintain that. Um, However, I, I don't see uh, this replacing face-to-face -face for developing new relationships uh, in the industry, develop, you know, meeting with new players and, and developing the, the kind of the, the, the relationship capital that, that you need to grow a relationship to the, get to the point where you can just be remote only with it. So I, I don't see, um, I don't see the, the in-person uh, events going away at all they may be different but but they'll be back because they're really important yeah well i would think you know to your point that uh, it's got to be even more critical for someone maybe younger in the business or newer in the business that doesn't have that uh, you know uh, book of business built up already like you said i mean it's they don't have maybe you know a large uh, amount of uh, clients to you know maintain the business they're still building their their business and so that face-to-face -face has got to be even more critical for them absolutely and that, that's why i don't think that'll go away i mean Again, we're going to have to get to a point with the virus where you know we can safely gather that way again. But uh, I, I think people will be hungry to, you know, to have that face-to-face -face interaction um, when we can have it safely. Sure. So maybe not handshakes and hugs, more you know, fist bumps and yeah. elbow bumps. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's uh, let's switch gears here. I'm curious. Uh, I know that uh, advocacy is a big a big issue for you, a big uh, priority for you. I mean, you mentioned your, your poli sci background. Same here. So I mean, this is a, a particular uh, area of interest for you. I know. What's your what would be your biggest um, message to your colleagues in the industry about uh, the importance of advocacy right now, and uh, you know maybe the biggest issue that uh, maybe they don't know about. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot uh, there's a lot going on, and there's there's going to be a lot at stake uh, on the ballot in in November, and um, and and frankly, there's a lot, there's a lot of activity flying around Sacramento right now in the state assembly and state senate that we've got to continue to monitor closely, and we're we're really lucky to have you know a great uh, a lobby team that we've got, and. Um, 
we do a great job of, of tracking uh, bills and, and, and alerting us so we can alert our membership when, when we need to, to jump into action. And, um, and I think we, we partner really well with the national MBA as well. I mean, I, I think that partnership is, is growing and, and we are, you know, I, you know, we are, if not the largest, one of the largest uh, state uh, organizations in the country. So we have a leading role uh, in, in being on the front lines, so we're, we're used to it, and we're I think we're we're well equipped to do it. I I think you've got a number of things looming, certainly near the top of the list as far as the ballot goes, is the the split role measure, and um, the challenge is I think the proponents of of, of carving commercial properties out of the Prop 13 protections. Well, and maybe I if I can interrupt, if you want to d describe just for those in the audience that don't maybe understand when you say split role, it's sort of a you know, shorthand in the commercial side. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, this proposition would, right now, Prop 13 passed in the 1970s, protects all property owners from uh, uh, increases in their property taxes. It's limited to 2% a year. And the proponents of, the, of splitting the tax roll, so to speak, they want to carve uh, commercial real estate properties uh, out of those Prop 13 protections and allow uh, uh, county uh, assessors to reassess commercial properties at market uh, every three years. And so uh, they believe that they can raise an additional $12 billion a year in taxes. And my, I'm concerned that the, this pandemic hitting and all the economic issues that we're going through um, as a state uh, is hopefully not going to get people to support this bill because our small businesses have just taken it in the teeth and a lot of commercial property owners are basically small businesses themselves. And, um, and that type of tax increase on an already very burdened uh, business environment in this state uh, would just be devastating to small businesses and consumers. So uh, hopefully we can continue to drive that message. I think it's an important one. And um, I know it's one that, you know, our industry's clients are very focused on. Yeah. Well, and even beyond, I mean, we talk about in within the industry about the, the effect on businesses and property owners and all that, but you mentioned consumers there. I think that sort of flies under the radar sometimes. And, you know, anyone who's, you know, ever run a business or been a part of a business in any, you know, significant way understands that, they don't pay those taxes. They're going to end up that tax will end up getting passed on to the consumer in the end, in some way, shape, or form. And so, you know, when you go to the ballot and say, "Well, I want to, you know, stick it to these these big businesses and, and raise more money from them," you know, oftentimes I think a lot of consumers don't realize that they will be end up paying a lot of that tax. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it you know, we're, we already pay more for most of our goods and services in this state um, because of the tax and regulatory burden. Uh, that we've got, and and to add more to that is only going to increase those costs um, because property owners are going to have to pass it along in the form of higher rent, and then businesses are going to have to pass on the higher rent costs on to the, the costs of their goods sold to the public. So you know, it's not just some big faceless evil corporation somewhere that's just going to write a check and and everything else stays the same. And I, I think people need to understand that. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I know we're uh, short on time here, so I got uh, one more question. And uh, I mentioned at the outset that uh, you're uh, just about done with your tenure as uh, California MBA chairman. So looking back now, you've been on the board for a number of years now, and I've uh, been chair for a year. What would be your biggest, what's your biggest accomplishment or maybe the biggest issue that uh, you feel like uh, we've worked on this last year? Well, I mean, I think that, um... I think we've done a lot of really good work on the advocacy side. Um, and so I would point to that uh, primarily. Um, I think we've got a really uh, a great, diverse, dedicated uh, uh, membership on the board. And it's a great team. And, and, and you know, it was a real honor and uh, privilege to, to lead the board this year. So um, I think we've, we've done a lot of great work with advocacy. I think we've continued to build on the value that we deliver to our member companies. Um, I think we continue to have a higher profile uh, statewide and, and, and nationally on, on issues of advocacy that are important to our industry. And so that's, that's what I would say. I mean, obviously being a passionate advocate for our, our business it was obviously disappointing that we weren't able to to uh, do our legislative day in sacramento and at the capitol physically like we always have done in the past i was i was really looking forward to that uh, being chair and and being able to do that but obviously uh, uh the old coronavirus got in the way of that but in spite of that, I think we've had a really successful year uh, on on advocating for important issues for, for our industry. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, hey, Jeff, I appreciate the conversation. Great to uh, great to at least see you, you know, see your face, if not uh, yes. stick your hand. And uh, if you've got any, uh, if you want to follow uh, our uh, podcast here on Connect, uh, you can check us out on either YouTube or we're actually on Spotify now or SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. And you can uh, go back and check our archive of uh, uh, podcast episodes. We're actually uh, now a weekly podcast, so make sure and check us out each Monday morning for a new episode. And uh, with that, I'll close this out and we'll see you next week.